Black History Month programming sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, asking you to join him in celebrating the many different musical movements created and perfected by black artists. From jazz and rhythm and blues to soul, and we are celebrating Black History Month with the sound of black artistry. Representative Steve Casey, District 50, remembering and celebrating Black History Month through music. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Well, hello and welcome to WRI's Black History Month special, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash, and today we'll be taking a look at number 40 through 31. Remember, if you miss any of our countdown, just go to WNRI.com and you can get caught up as we move through the month of February. Each episode will be posted separately. Just go to WNRI.com and you'll see on the homepage, WNRI's Black History Month special, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. And you can listen to each and every episode to fill in the blanks of any part of the countdown you have missed. Let's get started this week with number 40. It's Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. The Miracles were known as Smokey Robinson and the Miracles from 1965 to 1972 and were one of the most important and influential music groups in pop rock and roll, soul, and R&B music history. Smokey Robinson's greatest achievement was serving as the songwriting force that helped build Motown Records. But his group, The Miracles, was also the label's first supergroup. Smokey Robinson and The Miracles were responsible for releasing some of Motown's first biggest hits, including Shop Around, Motown Records' first million-selling hit record, and further established themselves as one of Motown's top acts with the hit singles, You Really Gotta Hold On Me, Ooh Baby Baby, and the multi-award winning, The Track of My Tears. I second that emotion. The number one pop smash, The Tears of the Clown, and Love Machine. The Miracles recorded 26 top 40 hits, 16 of which reached Billboard's top 20, seven top 10 singles, and a number one song, The Tears of a Clown. In 1997, the group received the Pioneer Award at the Rhythm and Blues Foundation for their musical achievements. Four years later, in 2001, they were inducted into the Vocal Group Hall of Fame. They were ranked number 32 on the Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 100 greatest artists of all time. Four of their hit songs were inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame. That's the most for any Motown group. And in 2009, the group received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 2008, Billboard listed them at number 61 on their 100 most successful Billboard artists ever list. After much controversy, the Miracles were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2012. Let's go back to 1966 with Smokey Robinson and the Miracles' Tracks of My Tears. Take a good look at 
where it's essential in transitioning blues music to what would eventually become rock and roll as Bo Diddley. Premier acts like Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley, and Chuck Berry will all take their cues from Bo Diddley. Born Elias Othea Bates, December 1928, American singer, guitarist, songwriter, and music producer played a key role in the transition from blues to rock and roll. His use of African rhythms became the cornerstone of hip-hop, rock, and pop music. In recognition of his achievements, he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987, the Blues Hall of Fame in 2003, the Rhythm and Blues Music Hall of Fame in 2017 and received a Lifetime Achievement Award from both the Rhythm and Blues Foundation and the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Diddley also was recognized for his technical innovations, including his distinctive rectangular guitar, a custom Gretsch, which he named the Jupiter Thunderbird. Going back to 1955, it's Bo Diddley with his self-titled track, Bo Diddley. Baby, a Sunday cold. Oh, dearly, call her back. 
Won't you come to my house with red dead bones? Take my baby away from home. Number 38, it's Marian Anderson, born February of 1897, an American contralto who performed a wide range of music from opera to spirituals. Anderson performed with several renowned orchestras in major concert and recital venues throughout the United States and Europe between 1925 and 1965. Marian Anderson became a singing sensation decades before the civil rights movement reached its peak in the 1960s, which means she faced an even bigger struggle than most artists on this list. Despite being a popular star, Anderson faced racism throughout the 1930s and 1940s, and yet still managed to break down barriers. An important figure in the struggle for black artists to overcome the racial prejudices in the United States during the mid-20th century in 1939, during the era of racial segregation, the Daughters of the American Revolution refused to allow Anderson to sing to an integrated audience in Constitution Hall in Washington, D.C. This incident placed Anderson in the spotlight of the international community on a level unusual for a classical artist. With the aid of First Lady Eleanor Roosevelt and her husband, President Franklin D. Roosevelt, Anderson performed a critically acclaimed open-air concert on Easter Sunday, April 9, 1939, on the Lincoln Memorial Steps in Washington, D.C. She sang before an integrated crowd of more than 75,000 people and a radio audience in the millions. Her 1939 performance on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial stands as one of the greatest moments in the fight for equality both in the music industry and our culture in general. The following news clip from the historical archives of UCLA is from this historic date. The nation's most impressive Easter demonstration, 75,000 mass before Lincoln Memorial to hear Marian Anderson, colored contralto, make her capital debut at the Great Emancipator Shrine. Refusal of the DAR to let her use their hall fanned a countrywide controversy with this great gathering as the climax. The singer was invited by Secretary of the Interior, Ickes, who attends with Secretary of the Treasury, Morgenthau. Spectators include Supreme Court Justice Black, New York Senator Robert Wagner, and a host of notables. Here to listen to the voice acclaimed by many as the finest in a century.
January 7th, 1955, Anderson became the first black American to perform at the Metropolitan Opera. In addition, she worked as a delegate to the United Nations Human Rights Committee and as a goodwill ambassador for the United States Department of State, giving concerts all over the world. She participated in the civil rights movements of the 1960s, singing at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom in 1963. Anderson was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 1963, the Congressional Gold Medal in 1977, the Kennedy Center Honors in 1978, the National Medal of Arts in 1986, and a Lifetime Grammy Achievement Award in 1991. Let's listen in to this classically trained artist. Coming in at number 39, it's Marian Anderson. Thank you. 
God bless you all. And now a Black History Month biography on Frederick Douglass. Brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. Famed author Frederick Douglass worked tirelessly as an abolitionist and an advocate for equal rights. You can't talk about the history of civil rights in this country without talking about Frederick Douglass long before Dr. King, the civil rights movement. Here's a man who's talking about basic dignity for people in this country. Born into slavery in Talbot County, Maryland around 1818, Frederick Douglass became educated first through his master's wife and eventually on his own. Douglas escaped slavery in 1838 by fleeing to New York and became a preacher the following year. Certainly, during Douglas's time, literacy for Africans was absolutely forbidden. In fact, it was very clear that once Africans could read and write, many wrote their own passes, which allowed them to move from place to place, and obviously this was disruptive to a very repressive system. After his anti-slavery lectures caught the attention of William Lloyd Garrison, the editor of the abolitionist paper, The Liberator, Douglas began touring the United States as a speaker with the American Anti-Slavery Society. Many whites refused to believe that Frederick Douglass had ever been a slave because he was so obviously intelligent, he was such a powerful speaker. In 1845, Douglas wrote and published his first autobiography entitled Narrative of the Life of Frederick Douglass. Although the book was a U.S. bestseller, Douglas was forced to live in Europe for two years to evade recapture. He ultimately purchased his freedom in 1847. People were shocked about Frederick Douglass, an ex-slave, writing his autobiography, and it was so poignant, and it was such a bird's-eye view of what was going on on the plantation. He put it in very plain language, and it was just a powerful testimony of why slavery needed to end in our country. Douglass became the only African-American to attend the first women's rights convention in 1848, and by 1861, Douglass was famous nationwide advising both President Lincoln and Johnson on the welfare of African Americans. By any measure, Frederick Douglass was a real American hero. He was a public intellectual, he was a statesman, he was an activist, and his life and his political commitment were dedicated to human rights, not just to civil rights or to the end of slavery. During his lifetime, Douglass was U.S. Ambassador to the Dominican Republic. And in 1872, he became the first African-American to appear on a presidential ballot when he was nominated as vice president. Frederick Douglass died on February 20th, 1895 from natural causes. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that Black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through Black musical excellence. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, 
North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. You are listening to WNRI's Black History Month program, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash. We are at number 37, and it's Louis Jordan. Louis Jordan had a profound impact on several black music genres and evolved during the first half of the 20th century. He simplified swing music, helped make jump blues, jazz, and boogie-woogie mainstream forces. Jordan's legendary work would serve as a precursor to Martin Blues, rock and roll, and R&B music. Born Louis Thomas Jordan, July of 19. 19- an American saxophonist, songwriter, and band leader, very popular through the late 1930s all the way to the early 1950s, known as the King of the Jukebox. Jordan was a talented singer with great comedic flair, and he funded his own band for more than 20 years named the Timpani Five. Jordan was an actor and film personality as well, appearing in dozens of soundies, promotional film clips, made numerous cameos in mainstream features and short films and starred in two musical feature films made especially for him. He was an instrumentalist who played all forms of the saxophone, specializing in alto, and he also played piano and clarinet. A productive songwriter, he wrote or co-wrote many of the songs that were influential classics of the 20th century popular music, such as Caledonia and Let the Good Times Roll. Jordan mapped out the perimeters of the classic R&B, urban blues, and early rock and roll genres with a series of highly popular 78 records released by Decca Records. Jordan was the most popular rhythm and blues artist of the pre-rock and roll era. Though comprehensive sale figures are not available, he had at least four million selling hits and was one of the first black recording artists to achieve significant crossover popularity with mainstream, predominantly white Americans, having multiple top 10 hits on the pop charts at the same time on several occasions. Let's show his wide range of impact by listening to a song that became a staple in country swing music, the year 1946. The song Choo Choo Chiboogie, the artist number 37 on our 50 most influential black music artists of all time. Here's Louis Jordan. Heading for the station with a pack on my back. I'm tired of transportation in the back of a hack. I love to hear the rhythm of the clickety clack. And hear the lonesome whistle, see the smoke from the stack. And pal around with Democratic fellas named Mac. So take me right back to the track. Jack. Choo choo, choo choo chiboogie. Woo woo. Take me right back to the track, Jack. your destination but alas and alack you need some compensation to get back in the black you take a morning paper from the top of the stack and read the situations from the front to the back the only job that's open needs a man with a knack so put it right back in the rack jack choo 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 boogie boo 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 choo boogie choo 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 boogie take me right back to the track jack Settle down by 
a railroad track Live the life of Riley in the beaten down shack So when I hear a whistle I can peep through the crack And watch the train a rolling when it's calling a jack For I just love the rhythm of the clickety-clack So take me right back to the track Jack, choo-choo, choo-choo-chee-boogie Woo-woo-woo-woo-chee-boogie Choo-choo-choo-chee-boogie Take me right back to the track At number 36, it's Nina Simone. You might have a hard time to name an artist that Nina Simone did not influence. The list could include Aretha Franklin, Beyonce, Madonna, Kanye West, Bono, Lauryn Hill, Cat Stevens, Mary J. Blige, Van Morrison, Sade, and numerous countless others. Simone's voice stands as one of the most powerful in music history. All of this while also serving as a leading civil rights activist of her time. Born Eunice Kathleen Wayman, February 1933 in North Carolina, became known professionally as Nina Simone, an American singer, songwriter, musician, arranger, and civil rights activist. Her music spanned a broad range of musical styles from classical, jazz, blues, folk, R&B, gospel, and pop. Simone initially aspired to be a concert pianist. And with the help of a few supporters from her hometown, she enrolled in the Juilliard School of Music in New York City. She then applied for a scholarship to study at the Curtis Institute of Music in Philadelphia where she was denied admissions despite a well-received audition. Nina Simone attributed this to racial discrimination. In 2003, just days before her death, that same institute awarded her an honorary degree. To make a living, Nina Simone started playing a piano at a nightclub out in Atlantic City. She changed her name to Nina Simone to disguise herself from family members, seeing how she chose to play, quote-unquote, the devil's music or so-called cocktail piano she was told in the nightclub that she would have to sing to her own accompaniment which effectively launched her career as a jazz vocalist she went on to record more than 40 albums between 1958 and 1974 and she had a hit single in the united states in 1958 with i love you porgy let's listen in to that hit from her debut album little girl blue and from the musical porgy and best from gershwin 1958, it's I Love You, Porgy, with our number 36 artist of this countdown, Nina Simone. I love you, Porgy, don't let him take me. Don't let him handle me and drive me mad. If you can keep me with you forever and I'll be glad yes I love you Pokey don't let him take me don't let him handle me with his hot hands if you can keep me wants to stay here with you forever I've got my man (laughs) 
Black History Month biography on President Barack Obama. Brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. Because of what we did on this day, in this election, at this defining moment, change has come to America. Barack Hussein Obama Jr., the 44th President of the United States of America, was born in Honolulu, Hawaii on August 4, 1961. By the time Obama was two, his parents had separated. In 1966, his mother, Ann Dunham, remarried, and the family moved to Jakarta, Indonesia. He was a mixed-race kid, but in Hawaii, this was not unusual, and he wasn't out of place in Indonesia. At 10 years old, Obama moved back to Hawaii to live with his grandparents. He graduated from Columbia University in 1983. He moved to Chicago, becoming a community organizer for low-income residents on the South Side. It was a good way for him to study power and how to use it and how to get it. Obama was admitted to Harvard Law School in 1988. The following summer, during an internship at a Chicago law firm, he met Michelle Robinson. She was in charge of mentoring him, and he was immediately smitten and started asking her out for dates. In law school, Obama was the first African-American president of the Harvard Law Review. After graduation, he returned to Chicago to practice civil rights law, teach law school, and organize get-out-the-vote campaigns. Obama and Michelle married in 1992 and then had two daughters, Malia and Sasha. And it was during that period where he decided that to do what he wanted to do in life in terms of changing the world, he had to go into elective politics. In 1996, Obama won a seat in the Republican-controlled Illinois State Senate. 
Republicans remember him as a great pragmatist in the state legislature, a guy that they could work with. In 2000, Obama suffered his only political loss in a run for the U.S. House of Representatives. But in 2004, he ran for the U.S. Senate and gave a high-profile keynote speech at the Democratic National Convention. People sat up in their chairs and said, where did he come from? People loved his message. His message was, we're not red states and blue states, you know, we're purple. At that moment, people thought of Barack Obama as a presidential candidate in waiting. 18 months ago, y'all didn't know who I was. <laughs> Obama won his Senate race by a large margin. In 2007, the freshman senator announced he was running for President of the United States. His main opponent in the Democratic primaries was Hillary Clinton. He won the nomination. The choice in this election is not between regions, or religions, or genders. It is about the past versus the future. In 2008, he won the general election defeating Republican candidate John McCain. I, Barack Hussein Obama, do solemnly swear. On January 20th, 2009, Obama was sworn in as the 44th President of the United States. Ten months later, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. He did, in his remarks, point out that there are justifiable uses of force and he would not shrink from using them. The 30,000 additional troops that I'm announcing tonight will deploy in the first part of 2010. While dealing with the consequences of inheriting two wars and attempting to develop a strategy for bringing them to an end, Obama and the U.S. military were able to track down and kill Osama bin Laden. Obama also pushed through several major policies during his first term in office, including helping repeal Don't Ask, Don't Tell. He passed, you know, health care with no Republican support, the big stimulus bill with no Republican support, but two women on the Supreme Court. Obama also began his presidency in the midst of the worst economic crisis that America has faced since the Great Depression. Despite bailouts for the auto and banking industries, the financial crisis on Wall Street led to record housing foreclosures. The national debt passed $16 trillion. Unemployment also remained high during his first term in office. The hole the recession left was huge, and progress has been painfully slow. Republicans nominated former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney to run against Obama in the 2012 presidential election. Real, achievable plans that will lead to new jobs, more opportunity, and rebuild this economy on a stronger foundation. That's what we can do in the next four years, and that is why I am running for a second term as President of the United States. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that Black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through Black Musical Excellence. Today's program also brought to you by 
Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Welcome back to WNRI's Black History Month special, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash. And now it's time for this week's Honorable Mention. Wynton Marsalis, born October of 1961, New Orleans, Louisiana, an American trumpeter, composer, teacher, and artistic director of jazz at Lincoln Center. Branford Marsalis, former Tonight Show band leader with Jay Leno, is his older brother, Jason and DeFeo, our younger brothers, all of them jazz musicians. Wynton Marsalis has promoted classical and jazz music often to young audiences, and he won at least nine Grammy Awards. His Blood on the Fields was the first jazz composition to win the Pulitzer Prize for Music. He is the only musician to win a Grammy in jazz and classical during the same year. Matter of fact, two years in a row, he won both categories. Wynton Marsalis has won the National Medal of Arts, the National Humanities Medal, and named a jazz master. He was given the Louis Armstrong Memorial Medal and the Olga H. Meadow Award for Excellence in the Arts. He was inducted into the American Academy of Achievement and was dubbed an honorary dreamer by the I Have a Dream Foundation. The New York Urban League awarded Marsalis the Frederick Douglass Medallion for Distinguished Leadership. The American Arts Council presented him with the Arts Education Award. Millions of copies of his recordings have been sold worldwide and he's toured in 30 countries on every continent except one, Antarctica. He is the ambassador of music around the world, gaining much recognition for his efforts. Internationally, he won the Dutch Edison Award, the French Grand Prix du the mayor of Victoria, Spain, gave him the city's gold medal, its most coveted distinction. In 1996, Britain's senior conservatory, the Royal Academy of Music, made him an honorary member. The Academy's highest decoration for a non-British citizen. The city of Marseille, France, erected a bronze statue in his honor for his key role played in the story of the festival. The French Ministry of Culture gave him the rank of knight in the Order of Arts and Literature. And in 2008, he received France's highest distinction, the Insigne Chalier of the Legion of Honor. He has received honorary degrees from dozens of the world's finest universities and colleges. But in my view, his vast charitable and educational efforts to give younger generations the gift and direction of music and life land Wynton Marsalis today's honorable mention. If you're just joining us this hour, here's what you missed. Coming in at number 40 was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. Number 39, Bo Diddley. Number 38, Marion Anderson. Number 37, Louis Jordan. And number 36, Nina Simone. And now back to the countdown. Coming in at number 35, it's Sly and the Family Stone, an American band from San Francisco, active from 1966 through 1983, a pivotal developmental band in funk, soul, and rock music. The core lineup was led by singer-songwriter, record producer, and multi-instrumentalist Sly Stone, and also included his brother Freddie Stone on vocals and guitar, and his sister Rose Stone on keyboards and also backup vocals. It was the first major American rock group to have racially integrated male and female lineups. 
Formed in 1966, the group's music synthesized a variety of musical genres to help pioneer this emerging psychedelic soul sound. They released a series of top 10 Billboard Hot 100 hits such as Dance to the Music in 68, Everyday People, as well as the critically acclaimed album Stand in 1969, which brought their social commentary into their popular music. The work of Sly and the Family Stone greatly influenced the sound of American funk, pop, soul, R&B, and of course, hip pop music. In 2010, they ranked 43rd in Rolling Stone's 100 Greatest Artists of All Time, and three of their albums are included in Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums of All Time. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1993. Let's go back to the late 60s. It's 1968. The song Everyday People, the artist, number 35 on today's countdown, Sly and the Family Stone. Sometimes I'm right. Number 34, it's Public Enemy, an American hip-hop group formed by Chuck D and Flavor Flav out of Long Island, New York, back in 1985. The group came to attention for their music with a heavy political message alongside strong criticism of the media of the United States, with many of their works also revolving around the frustrations and concerns of the black community. From a musical standpoint, Public Enemy was a highly influential group of hip-hop music. The band's use of jazz and funk to create the hard-hitting beats would set a new template for all rap groups. And with that as the backdrop, Chuck D and Flavor Flav's 
political commentary would prove a game changer. Public Enemy would conquer the music charts, proving once and for all you don't have to sacrifice your ideals in order to go gold. Public Enemy's first four albums during the late 80s and early 1990s were all certified either gold or platinum. They were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2013, honored with the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award at the 62nd Grammy Awards. The frontman became known as Chuck D. He was born Carlton Douglas Rodden Howard. The leader of the group of Public Enemy is ranked number 12 on the sources list of top 50 hip-hop lyricists of all time. The 1991 song, By the Time I Get to Arizona from Apocalypse 91, The Enemy Strikes Back, referenced the controversy a year earlier when Arizona canceled Martin Luther King Jr. Day as a state holiday. Fight the Power, released as a single in the summer of 1989 on Motown Records, was conceived at the request of film director Spike Lee, who sought a musical theme for his 1989 film Do the Right Thing. As a single, Fight the Power reached number one on the Hut Rap Singles and number 20 on the Hut R&B Singles chart. It has become Public Enemy's best-known song and has received accolades as one of the greatest songs of all time by critics. Here's the breakthrough single from 1989. Number 34 on today's list, Public Enemy and their hit, Fight the Power.
History Month biography on Jackie Robinson. Brought to you by State Representative District 50, Steve Casey. Born January 31st, 1919, in Cairo, Georgia, Jack Roosevelt Robinson was the youngest of five siblings. He followed his older brother Mac into athletics. Mac went off and he competed in the 1936 Olympics. This is an athlete who had won a medal under the eye of Adolf Hitler. He came back to Pasadena and Mac Robinson could only find work as a garbage man. That's something that Jackie Robinson never forget. Robinson was a star athlete at Pasadena Junior College and became the first UCLA student to win varsity letters in four sports, basketball, football, track, and baseball. He was a local tennis champion. He was a local football stud. He was a great track star. For Jackie Robinson, baseball was really almost the last thing he was great at. He was great at everything. He could have done anything. While in the Army, Robinson was arrested for refusing to move to the back of a segregated bus. Robinson fought a court-martial and was eventually given an honorable discharge. Jackie Robinson was sick and tired of the U.S. Army, and the U.S. Army felt that they had a problem on their hands with Lieutenant Robinson, so they uh, agreed that he would be honorably discharged. With the Negro Leagues as his only opportunity to play professional baseball, Robinson joined the Kansas City Monarchs in 1945. That same year, he was given a life-changing invitation by Branch Rickey of the Brooklyn Dodgers. There were players in the Negro League that were just as good, if not better, than Jackie Robinson. But Branch Rickey understood that he needed more than just a superb baseball player. He needed someone who had flawless and impeccable character, and he found that person in Jackie Robinson. Despite harsh opposition, Robinson was selected as the first rookie of the year, became the first man in the league in 26 years to steal his way around the bases, and in 1955, he helped the Brooklyn Dodgers win the World Series against the New York Yankees. The valor with which Jackie Robinson responded to the jeers and the hatred and the bigoted remarks in the catcalls is one of the great silent portraits in American history. Under that hail of threats and epithets, he would walk into the batter's box. And you know, about a little over the third of the time, because I believe he batted a 330-something that year, he'd get a hit. 
That's what he did. He certainly didn't cower. He certainly didn't flinch. And there were a lot of bean balls thrown at him. Jackie Robinson wasn't just a great symbol. He was a great baseball player. He led the Brooklyn Dodgers to six pennants when he was there. This is a Brooklyn Dodger team that was called the Bums because they couldn't win. Jackie Robinson led them, and part of it was his fire. His fire kept them going. Shortly after being traded to the New York Giants, Robinson retired from baseball in 1957 and became a business executive. After Jackie Robinson left baseball, his fight wasn't over. I mean, he continued to fight for civil rights. He was a member of the NAACP's upper management campaign for them, campaign with Dr. King uh, to try and integrate a lot of America. Also, you know, opened up a bank in Harlem. I mean, this was a guy who this meant more to him than just his legacy as a baseball player. He was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1962 and later died from a heart attack on October 24, 1972. In 2005, Jackie Robinson was honored with the Congressional Gold Medal. The story of Jackie Robinson changed the literal complexion of the game. It changed the complexion of images that we saw in black and white photos in newspapers and on television. It put a black man at the center of the story of America. And I think we've been an imperfect but infinitely better society ever since. This Black History Month programming is sponsored by Representative Steve Casey, reminding you that black artists evolved from blues and jazz in the 1940s to soul music in the 1950s. From soul music came Motown and then hip-hop, disco, and rap. Artists like Duke Ellington paved the way for the Supremes, Jimi Hendrix, Prince, and Michael Jackson. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through black musical excellence. Today's program also brought to you by Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. This is WNRI's Black History Month program, the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash, and right now we are at number 33. It's The Temptations, an American vocal group from Detroit, Michigan, released a series of successful singles and albums with Motown Records during the 1960s and 1970s. Their members are known for their choreography, harmonies, and dress style. Having sold tens of millions of albums, The Temptations are among the most successful groups in popular music, featuring five men male vocalists, and dancers. The group formed in 1960 out of Detroit under the name The Elgins. Over the course of their career, The Temptations released four Billboard Hot 100 number one singles, 14 R&B number one singles. Their music has earned three Grammy Awards. The first Motown recording act to win a Grammy Award for Cloud Nine in 1969. And it was 2013 they received the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award. Six of The Temptations were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1989. Three classic temptation songs, My Girl, Just My Imagination, and Papa Was a Rolling Stone are among the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 
top 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. The Temptations were ranked at number 68 on the Rolling Stone list of 100 greatest artists of all time. The song My Girl, written and produced by the Miracles member Smokey Robinson, would become one of Motown's best-known and most successful singles. My Girl, inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1998, ranked number 88 on the Rolling Stone list of the 500 greatest songs of all time. Here's the number 33 artist on today's countdown, The Temptations, with their 1964 hit, My Girl. Number 32, it was Otis Ray Redding Jr., born September of 1941, an American singer and songwriter, considered one of the greatest singers in the history of American popular music. Redding was born in Georgia. He quit school at the age of 15 to support his family, worked with Little Richard in his backing band, The Upsetters. An unscheduled appearance on Stack Record Sessions led to a contract and his first single, These Arms of Mine, in 1962. Charted in March the following year and became one of his most successful songs, selling over 800,000 
thousand copies. Stax released Redding's debut album, Pain in My Heart, two years later. Shortly before his death in a plane crash, Redding wrote and recorded his iconic Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. The song became the first posthumous number one record on both Billboard Hot 100 and R&B charts. was the first posthumous album to reach number one in the UK charts as well. His premature death devastated Stax. Already on the verge of bankruptcy, the label soon discovered that the ACTCO division of Atlantic Records owned the rights to Otis Redding's entire catalog. Redding received many posthumous accolades, including two Grammy Awards, the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award, an induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the Songwriters Hall of Fame. Let's listen in now to his debut release, 1962. These arms of mine, Otis Redding. These arms of mine Today with number 31 and T-Bone Walker, born Aaron Thibodeau Walker, May of 1910 in Lydon, Texas, of African-American and Cherokee descent. His parents were both musicians. His stepfather taught him how to play the guitar, ukulele, banjo, violin, mandolin, and piano. He was an American blues guitarist, singer-songwriter, who was a pioneer of the jump blues and electric blues sound. Walker left school at the age of 10 by 15. He was a professional performer on the blues circuit. In 1929, Walker made his recording debut with Columbia Records, billed as 
Canada's Oak Cliff T-Bone released the single Wichita Falls Blues. Walker was possibly inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame in 1980 and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. And Rolling Stone ranked him number 67 on the list of 100 greatest artists of all time. From 1947, here's T-Bone Walker with Stormy Monday Blues. They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad They call it Stormy Monday But Tuesday's just as bad Wednesday's worse And Thursday's also sad Yes, the eagle flies on Friday And Saturday I go out to play on Friday and Saturday I go out to play Sunday I go to church then I kneel down and pray History Month programming on WNRI brought to you by State Representative Steve Casey. An important part of black history is the message given through music. Through the years, artists like Sam Cooke and Marvin Gaye and Billie Holiday and Ella Fitzgerald and many more were pioneers in their musical field, delivering important messages of the time. Representative Steve Casey celebrating Black History Month through music here on WNRI. Today's program also brought to you by... 
Chamberlain Business Accounting, 601 Great Road, North Smithfield. The accountant for your current business or your new startup business. Call 765-1235 for small business accounting as well as payroll and tax services to help you achieve your desired financial and business results. Again, call this number, 765-1235 for Chamberlain Business Accounting, where it all adds up. 601 Great Road, North Smithfield, proudly serving Rhode Island and Southern Massachusetts. Well, we hope you enjoyed today's program. Let's recap what we've had today. First of all, coming in at number 40, it was Smokey Robinson and the Miracles. 39, Bo Diddley. Marian Anderson at number 38. Number 37, Louis Jordan. Number 36, Nina Simone. At number 35, Sly and the Family Stone. Number 34, Public Enemy. 33, The Temptations, number 32, Otis Redding, and number 31, T-Bone Walker. Remember, if you missed any of this countdown series, you can catch up with it at WNRI.com. Don't forget to tune in next week as our countdown continues through February, Black History Month of the 50 most influential black music artists of all time. My name's Jeff Gamash, and thanks for listening.